Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And you're tuned in to DotF the podcast, where we chat and explore all things on integrative medicine. Pandemic fatigue is definitely a real struggle <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Guni, you have come out of lockdown for, for you guys. Mm-hmm. So right now in London, uh, things are opening up. There's just general socializing that is increasing which on my side, weirdly, I'm kind of getting slightly anxious about this, having to like seeing things getting crowded again, seeing people out and um, people considering not wearing their masks. And I never thought I would be anxious about this because I was all this time inside to a certain extent. I think I got used to it, but now I'm just anxious when I see so many people uh, and I, it's weird. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's weird. I think it's normal. I mean, if we, if we look at, there are, there are lots of studies happening at the moment. So there was a University of Basel in, in Switzerland study that mm-hmm. looked at 10,000 people in 78 countries, so really broad set of countries. And one in 10 repeated low levels of mental health, right? So, so, so that was to be expected. But they really noticed a negative effect of stress, of depressive uh, behaviors, pessimistic, basically a pessimistic view of life and society. Mm. About half of them, 50% said they had moderate levels uh, of mental health uh, challenges. And and it wasn't the same. So Hong Kong more, or Tasha, where you are towards that end, uh, Hong Kong and Turkey apparently Mm. had more stress than other countries. USA had more depressive symptoms. Hong Kong and um, Italy, uh, also, well-being was pretty lowest. And uh, in Europe, Austria, Germany, Switzerland reported less uh, sort of uh, negative emotions than other countries. So I think one thing is, you know, our culture, our economic status, but also, you know, what sort of safety nets you had. Mm-hmm. But and, and everybody was afraid, afraid for their lives, afraid for their employment, afraid for their families. Yeah. And we lost social support, huh, whether we agree or not we lost the yeah. or that we take for granted but what every expert agrees with what we need is what they call support for psychological flexibility I suppose mm. in lay terms what we're talking about is how can we remain resilient because this yeah. is a very significant thing that happened to all of us at the same time yeah. so some countries may be in lockdown some may be coming up but it's not over the pandemic is not over Mm. We're going to go through these differences over months, and some people even say over years. So how do we look at the normal reaction that Guni talked about? We feel anxious, you Mm. know, and how do we build resilience? And and knowing Mm. now we really have to depend on ourselves, right? We have to go inside and figure out, not just inside our homes, but inside our minds and our hearts and try Mm. to figure out what we can do. Can you tell us a bit more about like what happens to our brain? We, we're very much uh, a socialized society, right? As soon as we got into lockdown, we've been cut out of that, especially if people who live by yourself independently uh, in your own apartment and you don't have a partner and you don't have a family. But even for people who have families, having to stay in this enclosed area, like, can you tell us a bit more about how our brains may have evolved or changed in this time? Well, I think Guni asked the question. She's asking herself, as the lockdown seems to ease where she is, am I safe, right? And that's mm. a fundamental question your brain asks you. 
the brain, I mean, we've survived for so many millennia because our brains ask the right question. It's always asking, look around, look around, look around. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? So the brain evolved to keep you safe, not to keep you happy. Right? Wow. So it's a basic survival thing. So so Mm. if you're not safe, you can't you know we we wrongly think in modern society purpose of life is to be happy but the purpose of biological life is to be uh, to survive and to reproduce that's the purpose of biological life now when we have a have something that threatens our security you know we're walking home on a dark night we hear a noise right your heart starts beating faster right Mm -hmm. yep right I mean, even to the strongest of us, mm. or, you know, you, you see something bad happen, you, you have not just in your mind, you feel your heart beat faster, your, your palms get uh, sweaty, you know, you feel cold sometimes, you get goosebumps. Now, this is the deepest parts of your brain, some of the oldest part of our brain in the limbic system. There are two little structures, one on either side, called the amygdala. I don't know if you know the size of an almond. They're very small, but they actually regulate this fight or flight response, right? Mm -hmm. So something threatens you. What happens is it works so fast. It releases neurochemicals or hormones straight into the blood, adrenaline, cortisone, goes into the blood. And what does it do? It helps you fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. So it Mm. it diverts all the blood to to your heart, your lungs, and your big muscles, right yeah and so and your pupils dilate so you can see better you know so you're getting you you are trying to survive now what happens is this happens for a moment you know you you walk faster you leave the scene right you you leave so that's done it's finished it's gone it's finished but what's happened in lockdown for 14 months 15 months we've lived in a constant state right so it's when this is constantly there then we have lots of problems it could be the mm. pandemic or it could be something else, right? So, so what has happened is when the amygdala does that, it doesn't consult the rest of the brain. Normally, your frontal lobes, your, your sort of more evolved, what we call the executive center, is saying, yeah, the, you're walking along, it's logical, you know, everything is fine. But soon as something scares you in a, in a survival mode, you, you may not know it's scary, but if something threatens your survival, what happens is the amygdala hijacks your whole of your brain these two tiny almond sized structures hijack the whole brain so you're no longer logical you're no longer rational right and you are this emo bag of emotions and reaction mm-hmm. right yeah. now that's called actually an amygdala hijack daniel goldman in 2005 wrote a book on emotional intelligence and he called this amygdala hijack and that's what it does it hijacks you your rational self is not well, listening the to the rational self, right? Now, what you need, what we can do is we can have build skills to notice that. And mm-hmm. instead of allowing it to react, we pause and then we respond. And that those are some of the skills that are required for building a resilient person, a resilient mind. But, you know, with the, with the lockdowns and because the pandemic has gone on for more than a year, people have been in this heightened state for a long time. So it's very difficult. And we all know the long-term uh, results of uh, anxiety. We're influenced by experience and emotions. And remember, for memory, emotions are the metadata for memory. So mm-hmm. our brain can re- stores everything. Memory is about 
taking it out again, right? Retrieving it. So you have all this data in your brain, but you can't retrieve it. But what is easily retrievable or memorable is things that are hooked to emotions, whether Mm. they're positive or negative, right? So your brain is now now swimming in this, right? This is my reality. This is my experience. I've stayed safe. We also walk the path of least resistance. So people like to just keep doing what they're doing. We're in lockdown. We continue in lockdown. Even intellectually, you say, no, you need to leave lockdown, right? When uh, Sri Lanka, for example, was in a civil war, people adjusted to the fact that, you know, you might have a bomb that will blast, you know, in a few kilometers away from you. And that's normal. And that adjusting to that normal state, Mm. it was completely abnormal for me. I would have all my family members that would just say, yeah, it's just another day. And so adjusting to that normal, what normal means to them. So I'm wondering if lockdown is my new normal. So people get desensitized, right? So we, you know, we see violence all the time. We can become desensitized to it. We see, we pass a beggar on the street every day, a homeless mm-hmm. person. We, we can forget if, if that's the first homeless person you've seen, you'd be shocked by it. Yeah. If it's the first bomb you've seen, you'd be shocked by it. Again, we remember what is normal for an individual. Now, when we used to share an environment and society, so, you know, Guni and I, you're Sri, we're Sri Lanka, and if we lived all our lives in Sri Lanka, you and I have a pretty no, pretty close sense of what's normal, right? But now that we leave, our normal is, is very different. So that's also part of how isolated we can be because we don't share the same normal. Yeah. So you in lockdown in Sri Lanka is very different from your relatives in lockdown in Sri Lanka. So you can't even communicate and understand each other because what is normal is very subjective to you. If you share the same environment for a long time, then you can have a shared experience to talk about, right? So the brain really is trying to struggle with all these threats and these changes, right? And then because of this reaction of the brain and the neurochemicals and the emotions it produces, we identify with our emotions. We think we are our emotions, right? So you are anxious and you think I am anxious, but that's not true. You're you are you and you have these feelings which may be fleeting or last a little bit longer. So we equate ourselves to our emotions. And this is one of the big challenges. So you will say, I am sad. And you believe you are defined by sadness instead of Mm. saying, I feel sad or I notice sad. So, you know, again, if you want to become more resilient, you have to be able just to shift your perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Understand that your experience and feelings are very subjective to you. Yeah. The modern world with our unique environments, we may not share any normal with anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Even your partner, you may be living in the same, same apartment or same house, but you go to work, you have completely different normal normalcies and you have very little time that you share together. So mm-hmm. it's very, this is why loneliness is a very big problem. Isolation is a very big problem, even if you're living with other people, right? Mm. And then if you're living alone, people, it's very difficult to put words to your reality to somebody who is not experiencing it. So mm. resilience is really trying to understand what I feel is not me, but I can notice what I'm feeling and mm. I can take control of that. Like how would the different personality types, how would the impact be on different personality types? For example, like introverts, 
versus extroverts. Mm. Like for me, I would consider myself when I socialize more of an extrovert. But due to like certain circumstances and then also going into lockdown, I've become a lot more introspective and realized how much I appreciated the introspection, introspective time mm. and kind of think that I'm a bit more of an ambivert now. But um, yeah, I felt like at the start of the lockdown, it was really challenging because I didn't understand why everything was happening and how why I was feeling the way I did. And it was so much more challenging at the start, but then it kind of improved over time. But then I spoke to some introverted friends like Guni, for example. They were just like, oh, this is totally normal. Like, I'm really enjoying this time. <laughs> yeah, because like when you think about it is like, what is that differentiating, a differentiating point where it's, it's a personality traits that takes over and it's not my survival mode that actually that seeks for comfort? You're asking a question that philosophers have asked for thousands of years. But how do we unpack it? I I don't have an answer, but how can we unpack it? Mm -hmm. So I think let's differentiate between emotions and and personality, right? Mm -hmm. Or or traits, character traits or personalities. Uh, Well, first of all, I think we should say you don't have a fixed personality. Yeah, for sure. Nobody. You don't have it. I don't have it. You know, there, there is wisdom which says your thoughts right, becomes your actions, your repeated actions become your character, and your character becomes your your destiny, right? So so all this to say, mm-hmm. nothing is fixed in stone, you're also evolving over time. Mm-hmm. There are lots yeah. of personality tests that will say, are you extrovert, introvert, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, there are lots of and they, they, they are useful, and they all are flawed, nobody, there is no universal test of personality. At a particular yeah. time in your life, you may say, I behave in an introverted way. I really want you to separate this thing. I am an introvert and I tend to behave in an introverted way. Your behavior is not you. It's like a child. Child does something naughty. A parent shouldn't say you're a bad child. Mm. Your behavior was not good. It was bad. Mm. You have to separate the two. First of all, so I, I think this modern concept of I am this and I'm unchanging, yeah. this, is, this is to be challenged. Yeah. The second yeah. is to explain the difference between emotions and personality. If you take climate and weather, personality is more like the climate, but even that's changing, as you know. Mm. <laughs> and uh, emotions are more like weather. It's more transient, right? So we live in a temperate climate in Europe with the four yeah. seasons, generally, right? But today it's rainy, tomorrow it's sunny. So emotions are like weather and personality is like climate. But remember, even climate and personality evolves and changes. We have climate change, which is the big uh, defining issue of our times. So it's not fixed. Emotions tend to be shorter lived. Mm -hmm. You can watch it come and go. You can be angry this moment and feeling sad the next moment and happy the next moment. Climate could be, I tend to be a very positive, cheerful person. So people label mm. me. That is my trait, right? So, right. so first, nothing is fixed, yeah. but there is a link. And there is some research about the link between the two, but it, it it's not a global understanding. We can see how some emotions are more frequent in people with certain character traits, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, it's good to let go of the idea, particularly between the two of you, 
you've yeah. seen yourself evolve in the way you describe your personality over this mm. time. I mm. myself, everybody would have said I was, I'm an extrovert. Everybody mm. I know. Whereas during a pandemic, I used that time really to go inside my mm. mind and yeah. my heart. And then people started seeing me as an introvert. Mm. In fact, my mother is very angry because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quiet. I don't talk so much. And she thinks I'm upset with her, but I'm not. Oh, oh my God, this is like so true for me too. <laughs> it's so interesting that you point that out because I think it's such a mindfulness practice and, and also a benefit you achieve with meditation because you start identifying um, the different parts of you and that you are not you know, your thoughts, you are not your personality and you kind of release this attachment to all these traits that and labels that you've identified with, right? But the trap is if you think you are this or yeah. that, you are not black and white. Mm-hmm. So no true. It's all good or all bad or all clever. And when you realize that, you try, you start having compassion and kindness to yourself. Yeah. You forgive yourself. That doesn't mean you do terrible things and forgive yourself. That's not what I mean. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you look at yourself with kindness and say that you did something very stupid there. Let, let's figure out how not to do it again. But, I, but you're still loved. Right. Mm. Anyway, you stop judging other people. So and so didn't use lockdown to grow their minds. So what? Yeah. Correct. It's subjective. We are mm. responsible for ourselves. But of course, we can share what we know with each other so that we can increase the choice that everybody has so that they have a bigger choice to draw, bigger resources to draw on to, to be the best self they can be. Mm-hmm. I think so, kind of my key takeaway from what you're saying is really the power of words as you as you want to describe a situation or a feeling or an emotion or behavior and the word I am versus I feel or I tend to um, has so much impact subconsciously if we go back to like anxiety um, and and kind of emerging from from a new situation because at the end of the day it's it's change right Um, what are three practical things we we can start integrating in our daily routine to kind of overcome um, this anxiety? So I, I think, you know, I, I work in learning and development and, and we use the model of competencies. A competency, mm-hmm. right, is made up of your attitude, yeah. your knowledge and your skill. So if you have just a good attitude, you know, you want to be happy. <laughs> you want to go out and meet people now after lockdown. Uh, so you can say, I have a positive attitude. But if you don't have the knowledge of how to do it and you don't have the skill, that could challenge you. So I think the three things are around those. So what is the attitude we should have? I think the attitude is really an attitude of we are in control and we can change what we want. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing is set in stone. <laughs> you are not your feelings. Everything that's, you know, so so really this attitude of, yes, I can change this. Of course, I feel anxious about it, but I can change it. The -hmm. second is really the knowledge you need. And it goes back to really understand your brain and how your brain works, right? And Mm -hmm. and people can go on YouTube, just type in amygdala hijack, and and you can learn learn about it. Mm -hmm. Learn that this is an automatic reaction. This is not, you know, a moral judgment on you. You are there to survive and your brain short circuits everything, mm-hmm. get rid of the logical brain and does this. And it creates thoughts, emotions, sensations, 
And th that's the knowledge you need. Now, the skill you need is to, to notice this. You, you need to know how to disarm this hijack, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody hijacked a, a hijacker, you have to disarm the hijacker. So to do that, you have to notice. So you should notice the physical and mental signs of when you're hijacked. And it'll be slightly different for all of us. You know, I feel heat in my face or, you know, I, and my heart is moving fast. Mm -hmm. I find myself speaking faster at a higher tone, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I notice my body language. So you have to notice mind, body, and behavior. What this trigger does to you. You have to get to know yourself before you get to know others. Mm. Then the most important thing is to disarm the hijack is to pause because it's going on a continuous, fast, uh, automatic reaction. So instead of reacting, you pause and you then you uh, react. Now, how do you pause? You're in a meeting, it's very civilized, or you're with your family, somebody has something that annoys you, you feel the signs, you notice, yeah. you just pick up a glass of water. Mm. You take a sip, it gives you three seconds. Mm. That is enough for your logical brain, your executive brain to take over. Very simply, you breathe. You take a deep breath, you know, well, you're listening to people, but you're, you're, you're conscious of your breath and you count one, in your mind, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, and you continue. That's enough to calm you down. Simple as that, right? It will mm -hmm. save you a lot of trouble and a lot of grief. So you notice, you pause to break it, and yep. you take control. And so you're not reacting, but you're responding, right? Mm -hmm. But all the while, no judgment, no I, you, right? right? Mm -hmm. So if, whether it's between two people, whether you're negotiating with terrorists, whether you are trying to convince yourself to go out, right? That, that little pause is what you need to disarm. So mm -hmm. knowledge, attitude, and skills. That's, that's pretty powerful. I just am um, thinking I need to travel everywhere with a bottle of water. <laughs> I mean, sure. well, I you know, there's, there's something that's free that you don't need to travel with and it's air and breathing having a physical I mean yeah no it does it does actually let me give you another one some people have a calm ring so they, they have an object that they like and when they feel their emotions rising they just touch it mm. to remind them yeah but, but you have to practice that this is it's, and as soon as you touch it you say calm calm in your mind you know how to calm as something happens but, but let's say guni you're anxious about going out and you're anticipating it right yeah. mm. you've got this sense of apprehension mm -hmm. there are other things you can do i think one thing is just to close your eyes and then to visualize you say it's tomorrow morning i've got dressed and i can see myself going down the stairs opening the door you know you visualize mm -hmm. and you actually do that visualization experience and then you notice what you feel and then you practice disarming that. That actually would prepare you. So really visualize, notice, practice, and then learn. You know, you say to yourself, okay, Guni, and talk in the third person. Okay, Guni, uh, what did you learn from that? Okay, what really worries you about this? That's before you do it. But actually what we should be doing is on the longer term, having building resilience for this, right? For any situation. So it's not just lockdown and exiting it. And, and I, I use what I call the three R's. First, relaxation. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know how to relax. You have to find how you relax. 
Is it by having a long bath? Is it listening to music? Is it going for a walk? Is it reading a book? Right? Mm -hmm. You have to relax. Find your way of relaxing. Yeah. The second R is reflection. How do you yeah. reflect on your feelings, on your experience? Do you keep a diary? It's a terrible thing. People don't keep a diary anymore. Journaling mm. is really good. Just write on a piece of paper. You know, how am I feeling? What did I learn today? How did I feel? You know, how, what does this teach me for the future? And the third R is really resilience practice. And that it could include meditation or yoga, you know, something that really, really resonates with you, that builds your internal uh, internal strength and really resilience is your elasticity so when mm. something stressful happens you don't break you're not right. a stick that breaks but you you are a rod that bends and comes back mm. practice the brain changes when you change your thoughts when you change your habits your brain it's called neuroplasticity it is absolutely able to grow new connections that make this normal over a period of time. So once you do this over a period of time, it just becomes normal, you know. People say, oh, you're very resilient. But so I, th I think that those are at three stages we must think of it. Yeah, Dr. Gaia, you, you gave us yeah. attitude, knowledge, and skill. And now, and the three R's, relaxation, yeah. reflection, and resilience. Everything comes with practice, but I think that these are great guides uh, to start mm. off with. So, so thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. For now, stay safe and we'll see you next week.